What's up, pals? We, once again, back for another edition of the Pals Podcast. Pals Podcast. This is a fun episode. We had Justin Berkovitz on, who is actually Ricky's boxing coach. There's the boxing plug, but go ahead, Ricky. Tell him, <laughs> tell him about Justin. We had to get it out of the way early. So we obviously talked boxing. We talked training. Justin owns a gym out in the east end of Toronto. We discussed that. We had some great stories about some of his travel experiences, specifically out in Hawaii and the stairway of death. And then we also talked a little fight night promotion that he was doing as well. It was a lot of fun, obviously, uh, as a fighter and uh, amateur champ. Undefeated fighter. Uh, it was nice to talk to somebody who knows a little about boxing. Actually, knows a lot more about boxing than I, did, than I do. So, really fun conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Take a listen. Let us know what you think. Again, hit the subscribe button and LFG. Let's go. Let's go. We got uh, we got Justin here, founder and owner of uh, Primal, also marketing expert, boxer, Muay Thai fighter. Welcome on the air. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, boys. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Nice to have you here. You, man, you got a lot going on. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Like even just looking at your Instagram, you've got so much. And for the people who don't know, Justin is my actual personal trainer. I love fitness and I can work out myself, but. I think Justin's more jacked than me and I just want his body and I wish I was six foot five and jacked too. So Justin uh, trains me. We do boxing out of his gym. So why, you know what? Tell us about your gym. Why don't we sure. start with that? Yeah, man. Well, thanks for the kind words. You, you know, we're pull it a little bit closer, like, a little bit closer. There we go. Better. <laughs> that should be good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So we're located in the East end. We've been around since 2011 now. Um, so we started as a strength and conditioning facility. Lots of personal training going on. Uh, in 2014, we expanded the whole martial arts side of the business. Um, so our flagship program is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu on the martial arts side, but we've also got boxing, kickboxing, and a full MMA program as well. Um, so that's kind of what we're all about. Uh, that's the short little elevator pitch. But like I said, uh, boot camp classes and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, those are our two flagship programs. And then we've got full striking as well. So, yeah, and oh. it's, it's such a nice little venue. And yeah, it was not little actually. It's pretty big. What's it? Got to be a couple thousand square feet yeah, between upstairs 10, and down square feet. Yeah, it's oh, it's yeah. massive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And big uh, they got the garage door too. Like I haven't trained there in the summer, but you can just picture like tarp off in the summertime. Like any It's it's actually that you mentioned that. So the gym that I go to as well has a similar style. Like it's like a I don't know if yeah. I've ever seen it, but yeah. like that's warehouse is the garage door. They open it up. It has it gives that feel like. It makes it feel like a like a combat gym, right? Which kind of gets you more into the zone, which is nice. Yeah, for sure. Especially yeah. in the summer when the weather's nice, we pop the door open and it's like, it's west facing. So you know we get the nice city view with the sunset. Oh, nice. So it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's a cool vibe. That's Before awesome. we get into the actual fighting, and I know we're gonna talk boxing, and it's gonna you come. Know, up, but, yeah, know, we know we're gonna this. talk boxing. <laughs> uh, I want to actually talk about something because I've mentioned it to two or three people so far, and nobody believes me. Tell us the story how you dropped 14 pounds in four or five days and then put on 14 pounds in 24 hours. That's insane. <laughs> tell us, that's, I, people, I say that and nobody believes me, so tell us. Yeah, so basically, um, so on top of all the striking stuff that I do, uh, I'm also big into competing in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, right? So um, depending on the organization that you kind of fall into when it comes to competition, certain ones have different weight classes. So I just competed last Saturday in a, in a local tournament, um, pretty big one, um, but it was actually in Toronto this year, which was great. So I was like, you know what, let's do it. Um, 
because of the organization it was, the weight classes are a little bit different. So typically, you know, I walk around around 220. Um, and, and you're what, 6'5"? Six 6'5", five? Six five, yeah. So I walk around 220, give or take. All right, so I usually fight in super heavyweight, which is 208 to 222. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and this is, sorry, super heavyweight for specific to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Correct. Okay. Yeah, correct. Um, so, for this particular organization that I was, that I was uh, competing with this past weekend, they don't have that weight class. So, what they were doing is 94 kgs or 120 kgs. So, I fought it. Yeah. So, I fought against some pretty big dudes before. Like, my very first Brazilian Jiu Jitsu match ever was against a dude who was probably like 6'9, 300 pounds. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm not down for that right I'm not now. Not down for that again. <laughs> So I signed up under 94 kgs. And then I was, I didn't really think about it. I was like, yeah, whatever. 94 kgs is how many pounds? About 207.2. It's 2.2, okay. right? Yeah, 2. yeah. 2. So, yeah. so I was like, okay. I didn't think about it. I just signed up. And then I was like, oh, okay. I'm going to have to do a bit of a cut here. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm training hard, working and working in the gym and whatever. And I knew I'd be able to do it. Um, so I was like, all right, whatever. Last Monday, I weighed in. I was like, all right, I'm like, 219 point whatever i'm like all right i gotta weigh in on friday night so thankfully with this organization you can weigh in the night before if i had to weigh in on fight day that would have been a bit of a rough different story <laughs> yeah you can't rehydrate and all that in no, time exactly yeah, so i was like all right thankfully i can do it on friday so it's, it's the monday i'm like all right i'm like 219 point whatever i'm like all right i gotta cut some weight. are you sweating at this point you're like shoot i, gotta... I was just like this is not gonna be fun <laughs> <laughs> so i knew i was gonna have to like watch the calories and, and start to you know have a pretty serious deficit and keep training throughout the week because it was my last week. So anyways, the weight's coming off. It's pretty good. Fast forward to fight day. I'm now, or sorry, not fight day, excuse me, weigh-in day. So Friday, I am, I wake, wake up, I'm like 20, what was I, 209. So I was like, all right, I got a couple pounds to go. I can make this happen. <laughs> but I knew I was going to have to jump in a sauna and sweat it out for a yeah. little bit. So I spent, I spent about an hour and a half in the sauna. Actually, I was listening to you boys while I was in there. Oh, I appreciate <laughs> it. Good sauna talk. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Great sauna talk. It was perfect. And um, so I was like, all right. I had like two sweatshirts on. I had like full tights on, full pants on, just sweating it out, sitting there. I was like, all right. I think, yeah. So about an hour and a half I got out. I'm like, all right, I got to see where I'm at. Yeah, so I, I just like, I, oh my God, hell. Yeah. So I peeled, peeled all the, all the stuff off and I had to weigh in in shorts and t-shirts. So I was like, I'll throw shorts and t-shirt on and see where I'm at. And this is probably like 10 a.m. And I'm like, wait on, wait on the scale. I'm like 206. I'm like, all right. Need awesome. smaller shorts and t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So basically throughout the day, um, I was obviously just like taking the smallest little sips of water because I didn't want to put anything in my body because yeah. I was like, if I can't afford it, if I get down there and I'm like 207 on their scale, I'm like, what if there's a discrepancy in the scales? Yep. I'm like, I'm going to be pissed. Anyway, so I end up kind of, you know, just going about my day as per normal. It's probably about weigh and start at five. It's probably about four o'clock. I'm like, all right, let me step on the scale again, see where I'm at. I was down to 205. I'm like, awesome, great. And uh, so I was like, I'm just going to head right over there, weigh in. And they've got, the way the setup is when you weigh in, there's a test scale. And then right beside it, there's the real scale. You can step on the test scale as many times as you want. You can step on the real scale once. Oh. So I was like, oh God. <laughs> Made me sweat a little bit, but I was good. Like sweat, good. More weights coming are, off. Are both scales the one that has the weights you slide, or are they electronic scales? No, they were electronic scales, but they're like, they're like the legit yeah. electronic scales. So the one that's got the little—is it the one that has the little reader that sits up on the ledge and it's right in front of you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I you know got it. Yeah. You got it. So, anyways, I get there. I'm like, okay, here we go. So I step on the the test scale, 93 kgs. I'm like, beautiful. I'm like, let's just get this over with. So I step on and. I, for the record, I fasted that entire day, which is not a huge deal. I, I typically intermittent fast until 1 p.m. So I was like, whatever. So anyways, 
205 on the test scale. I'm like, beautiful. Let's jump on the real one, get it done. So 93 kg is about 205. I was like, amazing. Now I just like beeline to Loblaws, pick up <laughs> as much food as I can while still trying to be smart because I know sure. I got to fight the next day. So I don't want to be just crushing Fruit Loops all night long. Yeah. So <laughs> great, I got it. Great cereal, by the way. Oh, the I was great just going to say, where do you get Fruit Loops? That's, like? my, that's the best cereal, man. <laughs> nah, just, cinnamon Toast churros. Ooh. That's a good one. Like, well, okay. Short, short aside, you yeah. guys, Cinnamon Toast Crunch or French Toast Crunch? Cinnamon. Guys? Cinnamon. Cinnamon all day long. Unanimous. Good yeah, call. Okay, okay, good. Right. We're on the same page. Okay, we can continue. We can proceed, yeah. <laughs> So, so, so then yeah, you, you so, were like, bulk, did you, what did you rehydrate back, back so up So basically, like, literally as soon as I weighed in, I turned around and found, this is at Ryerson, right? So I found the nearest water fountain, and I was just like, you know, a horse who just finally <laughs> found water for the first time. Well, that's it was like, like George, when George is hungover, he's drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, that's what I'm hungover. When I, I drink, like, drink obnoxiously in general. When, I, when I'm fighting, when anything, when I'm like, when I'm just sitting here drinking water, trying to be very, very calm now. But, yeah. yeah, so I like. I just like start drinking water like crazy and it's like the best thing I've ever had. And then I end up going to Loblaws, grab like, you know, a ton of chicken, ton of rice, mm-hmm. just good stuff that I needed to rehydrate and get some actual like yeah. energy nutrients carbs, back yeah. in my body. Right. Um, <coughs> so for, for shits and giggles, I weighed in on my scale at home before I started eating. I think I was like 204.4. So then I just sit down and I was like, all right, I need to like slowly eat instead of just trying and stuff myself. So I'd say like I ate a ton. And then about an hour or two later, I stepped on the scale and I was back up to 214. Jesus. So this That's is after all rehydrating. Water and food. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then so I was like, all right. So I had a little bit more. Um, anyways, went to bed, woke up the next morning. was like, I'm just curious to see where I'm at. And I woke up the next morning. It was 217. So It's insane. Yeah. I don't know how you do that in in four days, like five, whatever, four days. George's been trying to lose weight for like two years, still can't do it. <laughs> I've been getting roasted the entire day, my God. But honestly, I don't know if it's like, Maybe way more discipline, whatever. But I had to lose twenty uh, something pounds for my fight. But I had over like I I started a seven month like it was from November. My fight was in June. I didn't really get serious about the weight and like being smart until two months out probably. Yeah. But I did it progressively. But to your point, I one thing that kind of triggered a thought in my head is that the scales that the difference when you have to do two two weights. So um, I ended up fighting at one ninety, um, and my opponent. Was to even through training was less than me, so we kind of trained in the same gym. I fought for a charity, okay. um, fight ten cancer. Yeah, yeah. So we trained in the same facility. So I could see him. I always was kind of keeping check. My coach would be like, "Okay, he's here. You got to get here." But and I had weight on him. He had a little bit of height on me, but I had a substantial amount, obviously, weight on him. <laughs> <laughs> but he was losing, and at one point, like the day before, or maybe a couple of days out, we all weighed in. He might have had like two pounds less than me, but we knew we were going to fight around one ninety. Yeah, but yeah. we could only have a seven, uh, seven or eight pound spread. Yeah. The night of the fight, we're in like the back room, guarantee. We're like the main event, so we're like the last fighters. We're waiting there, like this was the worst part. You're just all in your head, <laughs> but then it came time to weigh in and do our, like our medicals and uh, same kind of scale, the electronic. And he steps on and he weighs at uh, he weighed a one eighty three, I think, or something like that. And I was like, holy shit! Like, I know, I know, I'm around one ninety something. I get on the scale and. I'm like sweating at this point. I get on I'm 191 on the dot. If I was 0.1 pounds more, I couldn't have fought the guy. Oh All right, I would have had to like cut he, my hair. No, he would have had to he maybe had to eat a chocolate bar. What movie is that? The boxing movie with um, Ty, Tyrese. Yeah. Where the, um, Which oh, one? The guy from Black Hawk Down. The the white guy from Black Hawk Down. Main Josh actor. Hartnett. Josh Hartnett fought no, Tyrese. The oh, guy from remember. Fast and Furious. And like a army or a marine. Jarhead? I don't know oh. if it was Jarhead, but... Uh, whatever is Josh Hartnett's like walking on the scale eating chocolate bars so he can fight Ty- oh. Tyrese or something oh, maybe I have seen okay 
<laughs> yeah, I know it's a party one. But uh, anyways, to your point, when I was weighing in the scales in the gym, we were both pretty close. I don't know if he just went and lost weight or what he did, but weighing the gym, we're on one scale. And then as soon as we stepped on this one, the official scale, the number was different. I was at like 185 in the gym, and this scale was 190. And I hadn't eaten, and like, well, I hate him. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, that's same, definitely Same stressful. kind of thing yeah, happened yeah. With, with my boxing fight, too, was obviously the higher in the weight class you go, the more that spread that yeah. spread is, right? So because I was fighting, what was I? We were, me and my opponent were supposed to meet basically right around 205, right? And like ahead of time, um, my coaches were like, yeah, he's a 205, so you got to get down to 205. And for whatever reason, the cut was a little easier when I did it back then. And um, so I was like, all right, fine, it's going to suck, but I'll be able to do it. Yeah. And so sure enough, on fight day, I've done like this whole cut throughout the entire week to get to 205. So I step on the scale, 205. He steps on the scale, 215. I'm like, wicked. Oh, it was come on. brutal. Yeah. And but, you know, that's the thing too, is you don't realize that the weight advantage is a pretty big deal. In, it's a in, big like, thing, right? Away. And he had more fights than me. He was more, he was just a more experienced fighter than me. So, yeah. I mean, it was still, it was, it makes for a good story, but for I was sure. just like, I really wish I didn't cut all that weight this week. For yeah. sure. <laughs> and was this the boxing match? Was this, sorry, let me preface that. Yeah. yeah. Or, uh, reword that. What was your first fight? Were you, have you been doing more like, uh, so, BJJ yeah, longer my two, or? My two, uh, competitive sports right now are boxing and jujitsu. Um, so my first boxing fight, I've only taken one. I was training for another one and tore my bicep in training. So that kind of sucked. So that set me back a little while. Um, but I would say the majority of my, my comp stuff is, is jujitsu. But yeah, that first boxing fight that I had, uh, was my first one. And, uh, when we booked the fight, my opponent had like four fights or something. And by the time we actually took the fight, he had like six or seven. Really? Uh, Yeah. So it was a bit of a discrepancy, but like, you know, it was an awesome experience. It was, it was a blast. I lost by split decision, which was tough, oh, but I gave him a standing tough. eight count. So, you know, it was, <laughs> yeah. you know, if the ref had let me keep going, I'd like to think oh, I would have taken Oh, you got the standing eight count. I got the standing eight count on him. How yeah, many yeah. rounds was the fight? Three. And they got you in the third, they would get you third round, second round? No, they... so like I, I clipped him and he had the standing eight count oh, on oh. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he won by, he won by split decision. But in the second, oh. dude, I almost stopped him. Oh, yeah. shit. That's, uh. Yeah, mine. I I had one in the charity. I ended up winning mine, but we didn't. I don't think we had standing eight count. But yeah, well, not when the guy goes lights out, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we. Justin knows. I guess, I guess Justin we knows. Uh, hyped it up. So, um, no, honestly, the one thing too is that. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but after I had my boxing match, like I still like mean, you saw when you came over watching boxing. Yeah. I'm a huge fan, but I just like as much as I miss it and want to box. I don't know for some reason I can't get myself to get back in the ring mm-hmm. and like, you know like fight and get hit and all that stuff like it is fun the sparring and all that stuff's the yeah. best part of training but you know as soon as, as you get older like the getting hit parts of one part that kind of kept me away now but yeah it's definitely tough, right? miss it. it's tough because it's so much fun when you start getting into the sparring aspects the of all of it but it's like you know as time goes on we're like are we trying to be pros like probably yeah. not so it's like you know over time i'm not sparring three times a week anymore maybe it's once or twice at the most but um yeah it's still a blast it's, it's that adrenaline rush right like for sure you know, when you're, when you're just training, there's no one hitting you back. Like it's fun, pad work, bag work. But as soon as you get in the ring, it's that extra sense. It's like, oh, sh-. like I remember every time I got in the ring, me and Georgie, we used to train together. We'd get in the ring and like, I would just tense up like immediately. Yeah. Like no one's even around me. And I'm like, oh, stuff. I was like, guys, relax. Like, mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Right. I think, I think a big part of what comes is just like seeing how you evolve and like, I mean, you always hear people talk about this. It's like, you need to be calm in those situations, but yeah. like you've got to do like in my case, I'm usually sparring with some pretty big guys. I've got yeah. guys over 200 pounds throwing punches at me, and it's like, how can I One stay catchy, calm? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. you need to stay calm. You need to stay relaxed because <laughs> as soon as you're tense, like it's a losing battle. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. It's, it's funny enough. I was like, 
I was at the the gym today there, and I was watching these guys train, and it, I I what you're saying, Ricky. I was the exact same way when me and him started. We've told the story before. We, we were at Sully's together, and Sully's like what I think was the oldest boxing gym in Toronto mm-hmm. time. And the guy like thought we were trying to fight. We're like, listen, we're just here for physical activity. Yeah, we're just here to get jacked. But he, <laughs> he maybe you not. George <laughs> trying to lose weight. <laughs> they put us. He just started making us like literally just first walk, day. Like, we yeah, got in like, the ring. We'll fight. We're like, man, like we're not here to. We're not gonna punch each other. I guess I must have had some pent up anger, guys, because I was like, "Screw it!" I'll, I'll go at you. And I'm like, "Yo, chill." But like, you can tell <laughs> go to work tomorrow. <laughs> what you were saying is like, you know how you flinch, you tense up. Like, it's not something easy to get to like to get over that. You really have to commit to it because a lot of it, you're, the point you made about being calm, you really have to not be scared to get hit, and that's the hard part of getting your mind out of it. Like, mm-hmm. you can see people as they progress. Even to this day, I still get scared if I'm going to the ring. But like. Just being confident and calm is the most important, right? But it For takes sure. a lot of time to develop that and trying to block the punches. Yeah, well, takes, yeah, because your whole life you're taught not to get hit by things, right? right. Like exactly. Cars yeah. don't get hit. Someone's gonna hit you. Don't get hit. And yeah. then it's like you get in the ring. It's like okay, learn how to take the hit and mm-hmm. or like take yeah, the least yeah. amount of force from the hit. For sure. Right? But everything comes with being calm, right? Like you're you're gonna be able to sustain working through the round as opposed yeah. to gassing out in 15 seconds because you know you're not clenched and and flexed yeah. the entire time. You're just relaxed. You're super relaxed. That's why you can see, you know, these pro boxers going so many rounds. Now, granted, they're like, you know, some of the best best athletes on the planet, but like, you know, again, if you think about it, three so minute rounds, relaxed. twelve rounds, it's like, insane. It's, it's insane. Or like UFC fighters, five minute rounds. Like, to me, that is like that's Crazy. the pinnacle. Like those five minute rounds and like MMA work and MMA sparring and that type of stuff is a whole other level. Like even from from like the boxing rounds that I put in, any of the MMA rounds I put in are always just a whole other level. And then any type of, of martial art, as soon as it goes to the competition level, like it's, it's, not, it's insane. That's actually, I want to ask you about that because I've never, I've only done boxing, nothing mm-hmm. else. Um, so you're saying it's a little, it's, I guess, tougher, but more, yeah, I guess the word tougher, yep. harder when you do three, uh, five minute rounds. Is it like, you just substantially notice it be tougher? Is it like, what makes it hard? Is it because you're rolling and legs are incorporated in everything or? Yeah, I think it's a combination of all those things, right? It's a combination of, yes, there's. I mean, when you're working, when you're in any specific discipline, you are working a specific set of muscles. And like, of course, a lot of it is still full body. But in the case of MMA, for example, like you have to be able to switch on a dime from, you know, I'm worrying about your hands to I'm worrying about your legs to I'm worrying about you taking me down to I'm worrying about being submitted and knees, elbows, like it's everything now. So you have to be aware of everything and you have to be able to make a switch immediately um, just right away at the snap of like going from, you know, standing and sparring to all of a sudden you're you're on the ground and you're trying to get back up or you're trying to advance positions or whatever right it's just there's not really a moment to like take your foot off the gas yeah well when you're so let's talk about this past fight you had so mm-hmm. it's i guess a tournament you're mm-hmm. fighting what five six times in a span of a weekend or is it all one day how does it work so like, it's take, all, take us through this yeah exactly. yeah so um Again, different tournaments work in different ways, but for example, the one that we, that was just this past weekend, um, it's it was called the Abu Dhabi Pro Nationals. Oh. Um, so it's like a whole circuit that runs worldwide, and this just happened to be the, the Canadian stop, right? Um, so again, a lot of the answers to that are pretty much based on the number of people competing, right? The number of competitors uh, in the weight classes and in the divisions. Uh, so basically, for example, this one, uh, we had, I only had two matches, right? My division was pretty small, four guys. Um, some divisions are a little bigger, typically like, now, as you would expect, the younger ages and um, kind of that like mid-level in terms of size, because it's all done by weight class, right? Yeah. So your guys who are like, you know, 170, they're usually pretty deep divisions because there's a lot more guys that are 170 yeah. as opposed to guys that are entering that are over 200 pounds. Um, but it was single elimination. 
And with this one, it was basically just uh, one match. The nice thing with this is we, because we were such a small division, we were guaranteed two matches. So it was either you win the first one and you fight for gold or you lose the first one and you fight, fight for, for bronze. bronze. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, so yeah, basically the way that these work is they all have point systems, right? Which I'm not the biggest fan of. There's essentially yeah. point system tournaments and submission only tournaments. Ooh. So in, yeah, exactly. Right. Heck so those yeah, are the fun submission ones. Only. Those are the fun ones, right? So the, the point system is like, you know, like you would expect you get points for, kind of progressing positions or advancing techniques, that type of stuff. Uh, but you also get penalized for doing certain things. Whereas submission only, it's just like it's just, it sounds. Yeah, it's not subjective. It's exactly. You get there's a winner and there's a loser. Like, yeah. like, Pretty much. And if no, if neither person is submitted, then it goes to the ref's decision and it's basically who attempted more submissions. Okay. Right. Whereas in points, it's like you get points for progressing positions and advancing or you get you get advantages for making submission attempts and, and that type of thing. So again, like I said, I'm kind of in favor of the submission only tournaments i think it you, you get a little riskier right you have a little more, more fun and it's more exciting yeah. so yeah have you found that when it is points tournaments versus submission does it become like is it, is it ever a point where it's very controversial or becomes very subjective from the referees definitely right and um that kind of happened in, in two of my fights in both of my fights i should say this past weekend so the first one um you know one of the my first opponent he, he pulled an illegal technique on me, which was uh, essentially, it's, it's kind of like an MMA technique, right? So what was happening is I had him in my closed guard, which is essentially me lying on my back with my legs wrapped around him, right? Um, what he did to try and break the guard, which is basically pop my legs open and, and you know, move around, yeah. he like kind of leaned down and just cranked the back of my head up, right? So cranked it from the top just to try and basically round my spine and pop the legs open. Right. So that's what we call a can opener. And, you know, technically speaking, it should be disqualified. So my coach, safe to say, was losing his mind. Anyways, it, it didn't work. And I still ended up winning the match. Okay. No um, big deal. No, not a big deal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then in the second one, and, and this is I find pretty common in point tournaments is my opponent was stalling. So essentially what it just means is like he's not able to progress positions and he's just kind of holding on to me. So when that happens, again, this is where it's kind of up to the ref's discretion they're supposed to be a bit of a time limit on that. So if you stall for like, you know, five, 10 seconds, you should be getting a penalty. You do it again, you get another penalty. Do it again. The other person, in this case, me, should have been rewarded points. You do it one more time, the fourth time, you get disqualified. So again, he did it twice. The argument from my coach who was losing his mind again was that he should have been called a third time. Yeah. So because he didn't, he ended up beating me by two points. So oh. tough loss, right? Yeah. But it's what you get when you leave it in the ref's hands. So that's, uh, that's I, true. That's, that's, the one, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's the one thing I don't like. I don't love about. Uh, I guess different for for years because I'm a BJJ. I don't know as much about. But even like in in boxing in general, and I remember hearing this uh, what podcast I was listening to. But they say that even like going to boxing or even MMA, mm -hmm. there's three refs that sit ringside. I don't know if MMA is any different, but boxing mm -hmm. there's three refs that sit ringside. Yep. And like when you're watching a fight, any fight, any combat sport, if you're watching ringside, you're watching on a TV or you're watching from the stands, every angle is different. For sure. You see different things. So it's so weird that like, especially in an age, like in an age where we have so much technology at easy access, there's only one angle you're, or I guess on three sides of the ring they're watching, but mm -hmm. that you're only watching from that aspect when so much at stake. It's a yeah. combat sport. People was like, you know, your lives are right. you know, on the line in, for the most part, but yeah, I just still find that interesting. They still leave it up to scorecards and, right. and being subjective. Yeah, and it's interesting too because like, yeah, there's a lot of controversy with the whole like ten point must system, which comes from boxing. It's the same scoring that MMA uses, and in boxing it kind of works. In MMA, it really doesn't work. The fact that they haven't evolved it is kind of crazy. But like, for example, you know, you look at a boxing fight. You can even take the first Wilder Fury fight, right? It's like Tyson Fury was winning that fight 
technically speaking, the entire time. But like in the 12th round, <laughs> Wilder just about killed Tyson Fury, yeah. right? And it's like the the problem with boxing and MMA scorecards and judging is like each round is like its own little individual fight. They don't score the fight as a whole. Yeah. So like you could win 11 rounds and then literally almost kill the guy in the 12th round. And then you look at the two fighters at the end. You're like, well, that guy won 11 rounds, but like that guy looks like he's about to die. Like yeah. it's not really like, I personally think they should judge it. Yes. Rounds individually, but also like a fight as a whole. Cause uh, yeah, that, sure. that's super important. I agree. That's, and that's a, the point you bring about Fury, the first one, it's kind of there's there's two sides of that argument, right? Fury, de- I think, definitely won that fight. But if you actually re- watch the replay, the argument that Wilder makes that <laughs> when he knocked him out, the ref didn't start counting right away. Mm-hmm. Which and on that same thing, I was just touching on with the refs uh, debate. I feel like this was Joe Rogan or somebody. Someone was, yeah, it was Joe Rogan or Radio Rahim, who's a boxing um, a boxing reporter. He says he goes, not only does the judging like it's weird that there's only three refs ringside. You have a ref counting. Can you not put a timer on as soon as the guy hits the canvas? <laughs> yeah. Start a timer. But you still have a guy that has to run over to you and count, like do a 10 count. And if you think about it, the extra like half second makes a big difference, especially yeah. when they get up and it's like nine. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. It's, like, yeah, okay, it's well, 2020, right? Come yeah. on. Figure it out. That's it, what I don't get. Like, it, it, so if you watch the Fury fight, the ref, it, you, I don't know if remember exactly how Plato, but like you can see Fury go down that famous angle of him, like his mm-hmm. eyes rolling back. The ref is standing there, looks at him, looks to Wilder, points Wilder to his corner, waits to Wilder gets to his corner, walks over and says the count. There's like two seconds there at least. Well, that's it, well, right? Which, I mean, so, But again, to your point, like then you let them go to the scorecards and you get a tie as well. How the heck do you get a tie out of that fight? Mm-hmm. Someone should have won, whether, mm-hmm. I mean, if, I don't know. Well, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert when it comes to the scoring, but correct me if I'm weird. wrong. Boxing is one of the, like, the few major sports that hasn't really evolved, right? Like basically everything's the same as it was in the 80s, 70s, 60s, right? Like the gloves are basically the same. Like the well, ring has same like weights and stuff, but they're obviously yeah. gotten better yeah, yeah, quality, the quality and stuff, yes. but the weights are the same. Like yeah. the scoring, if I'm not mistaken, is the same. Mm-hmm. The ring size, everything's the exact same where yeah. it's like, okay, you think hockey's evolved soccer you know like there's technology that Mm -hmm. makes improvements but in boxing it doesn't it hasn't changed too much right and we don't have to get too deep down the rabbit hole but this is the same reason why the controversy with mma in terms of judging happens it's like even mma like the way the ufc has evolved that that sport in itself in the past 20 years like all they did when they first started is they took the boxing scoring credentials and they applied it to mma but it's so much more complicated of a sport right it's so much more complicated of, of a competitive like match that's going on you can't just score it the same way so like there's a huge controversy happening there but that's a that's a whole other debate sorry you know sorry another major sport that hasn't really evolved to where it should be is baseball Mm. actually like baseball balls and strikes should not be called by an umpire in today's society yeah there's still the thing but that's a it goes to both well there's two answers and i'll and i'll jump back to the box and answer the question why is it involved baseball i think I think it's because like the umpires, I'm, I think, would have a union. So maybe it's to protect them to get rid of them. Because really, any sport, like, hell, even FIFA, like, you can make everything electronic at this point. Like, you have mm-hmm. the goal judge with the mm-hmm. cost of the line because there's been controversial goals. Yeah, but now they have soccer. It. Right. But yeah. technically, you don't need a ref in any sport, really. Like, maybe some fast-paced basketball NFL, maybe. But with today's technology, you can make the argument that no sport needs an actual ref on the field. Maybe to control brawls i don't know but yeah that's probably it (laughs) yeah and going back to your point about boxing the reason why and the main reason why it's so corrupt um one it's always been it's always been historically controlled by the mafia that's almost fat like well-known fact i'm actually reading rocky marciano's bio it's not really his autobiography but it's a biography on rocky marciano 
and like talks about how basically he was represented by the mafia. He didn't like it, but he was. Back in that day, the judges ringside would have pencils with erasers on them. So if you're losing that fight, like now you have, to, I don't think they still do, but back then you could just like, oh, you know what? Mm, it looks like he's going to lose. Let's change this round from a 10 to a nine. Rocky wins. But uh, yeah, and the reason boxing has not changed now is because what, and why I don't think it will uh, is because there's so many governing bodies. You have WBC, IBF, WBO, uh, there's another one I'm not remembering, but there's a bunch of different divisions like boxing federations. There's so many different belts and there's so many people who are vested in seeing a fighter, seeing their fighters win that like you can't because you won't be able to make everyone happy. Whereas the UFC, I think can because you have one governing body controlling yeah. it. And I think they, I believe they are trying to make changes. I don't know as much well, about it. That's exactly why I think boxing is hard to follow as a spectator sport. Like I'm in the fight game. I'm in the fight business to a certain extent. And I can't even follow boxing because like, I can't even so I can't even tell leagues, you what yeah. commission or, or what organization yeah. you missed, right? Like whereas and now I get I get it's a little bit different. Like the UFC has a bit of a monopoly on mixed martial arts, but like it's so much easier to follow because sure. like you're literally you just have to follow the UFC. One league, yeah. And like there's a couple others like Bellator but like, and whatever, yeah. But like even even well, trying to like, okay, well, so what championship belts does did Fury have and now he's got from Wilder and what is Anthony Joshua have you like I don't know like I only know because I was there so yeah, I know what they were exactly, saying exactly. but and like and this is the other thing too like now we're going down the rabbit hole <laughs> which we don't have to but that's the thing so like okay so they Fury and Wilder fought just now uh Fury took the WBC W see, see? I don't even know see? WBC see? World <laughs> Boxing whatever took his belt but now they have a mandatory so Wilder sorry mm -hmm. Wilder can activate the rematch clause mm -hmm. but if he turns that down then fury has to fight the mandatory which is dylan dylan white mm -hmm. like, that makes no sense i don't understand mm -hmm. that how like there's mandatories and there's challengers and they invented some belt for canelo alvarez which is like the intercontinental <laughs> champion <laughs> they invented a belt for him they literally Man, heck yeah it. i invent one for me too so anyways yeah like we don't have to go deep down that yeah, hole but yeah. it's actually that's one thing i don't i mean i understand again why but it ruins the sport. Like it, that's why I think UFC has so many fans and it's blown mm -hmm. up so fast. They also they're smart. They put like a fight every weekend. Yeah. There's no debate. Like UFC matches them up. You're gonna fight this guy. You're gonna mm -hmm. fight this guy. It's just easier to follow. Yeah, it's set up properly. Yeah. But yeah. even with technology, like it, for me, it, it's mind-boggling that they don't have sensors in their gloves yet. Like to like say like a good contact punch mm -hmm. or you know you have like good scoring chances in hockey versus bad scoring mm -hmm. chances based on where you on, are on the ice. With boxes, like you can tell the difference of a good hit and a not so good hit, but mm -hmm. I think every it's it's scored has a landed punch or a missed punch. Those are the only also like there's also they they sorry you might know this no, better than I do, Justin, but they also I think they I think it's power shots versus like like the jab is think differently than mm -hmm. than power shots are and certain the scoring I know the scoring stems all the front of your body from mm -hmm. like the ribs forward. But that's the most I know. Maybe you can touch on it. No, I mean that that's pretty much accurate, right? And again, like there's also there's also differences then between like, you know, amateur and pro. So like Olympic style boxing versus pro style boxing. Like even those two things alone are very different, right? And like us as amateurs fighting, you know, we all follow that kind of you know, oh, IOC. I'm I'm not a fighter here. Let's just, <laughs> we got we got two You're fighters right, over here. Right. Don't discredit yourself. I do Bro. boxer size here. I'm <laughs> I'm just here to get fit. I mean, uh, you know, make a little plug here for our fight night in October. We offered you a spot on that card. Yeah, no, no, I'm uh, I'm not looking to get hit in the face. Maybe Georgie. You guys had a last October you had a fight night. So we, uh, yeah, so part of what my business partners and I at, at Primal do is we run these fight night events. So oh, wow. um, the first one was when I had my first fight back in 2018 in September. We had one in. April of last year. Uh, we're doing another one in October of this year. Oh, nice. And isn't one at the Great Hall? 
yeah so then next february we're going to do one at the great hall yeah. that's a that's a nice venue for yeah it's yeah. gonna be awesome very old school type vibe yeah, there exactly. that would be very cool so when we first started with our first ones it was i'm gonna come yeah. with a fur coat me and db with fur coats <laughs> george is gonna be fighting nah i fight everyone's gonna know who the promoter is if you walk in like that <laughs> so the the one coming up in october mm-hmm. this october yep. what like what does it look like how many fighters what? so what we're thinking of, of trying for this one is uh the, the past ones have all been boxing we're thinking about mixing it up this time and doing a mixed event. So we'll probably wow. have like some Muay Thai fights and some kickboxing fights and some boxing as well. We're toying around with the idea, idea of doing some jujitsu fights, but the problem is like, you don't need to know boxing to enjoy it. And that's, yeah. that's part of like from the promotional side, it's easy. Everybody wants to see somebody get punched in the face. Right. Sure. Whereas like you need to really know and love jujitsu to know what the hell you're watching. Yeah. And like, I say that as a guy who knows and loves it. And like, do I really want to go and watch some jujitsu fights yeah i don't yeah. know right like i don't know because you still have to cater to the more the masses who are going to come in like you, right. you'll get the fans that know what you're putting on but exactly yeah exactly. and boxing is fairly easy to know right knockouts a knockout right. even, if, even if you don't know it you can just you, you can, can enjoy watching easy, somebody get hit easy in the face. to watch yeah. two yeah. guys punch each other yeah, right? yeah yeah that's really cool when that does come around definitely like let definitely. us know yeah I'd we're, we're doing do uh so the first one's gonna be october 3rd saturday october 3rd uh and then the next one so that one's gonna be in um it's gonna be regent park yeah, Regent oh, Parks nice. of Daniel Spectrum. And then the next one is going to be uh, Great Hall, like Ricky said, in February. First weekend of February. Very nice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's funny. I was actually just thinking this the other day is that to, for such a big city, and I guess maybe boxing is not as big in Canada or here, but there's not a lot, at least that I'm aware of, a lot of like boxing shows that get put on or amateur fights. And even for that matter, there's no real big fights that come to Toronto. I think the last one that was here uh, was Badu Jack versus... Mm-hmm. What's his name? Stevenson, mm-hmm. uh, the Canadian guy. Yep. He's the he was a title holder, and I was at our Candace, and I don't even think they sold that out. No, but, no way. But yeah, like there's there's never any fights. Well, we had a UFC event, but that but yeah. that I think sold out. I yeah. think that's always the biggest thing yeah. that comes here is the UFC. But that so that's kind of exactly what our whole like our whole take on this is, right? Like there's a ton of boxing events that happen in Toronto, but they're literally like nobody versus nobody, and it's at like you know some some random yeah. banquet hall with or it's all, like all what the i like a, chari- like a charity fight right kind and, of thing, and there's right? a lot of those and those yeah. are really cool like because those charity events they kind of take shape of like what we're doing as well and it's it's making a spectacle of it right and yeah. it's like making it fun like same thing it's for a like, good night the, out too yeah right? and like yeah. for the for the casual guys who like they're not trying to be pro boxers but they want to take like that bucket list fight that's like, what that's for that's yeah, what it's about right sure. like nobody wants to go fight at a banquet hall yeah unless you're like serious about becoming a boxer whereas like you know guys like us who want to like have our friends out for a night you get to like have your own theme music your walkout yeah. song like it's your cool, video right yeah. like yeah, yeah like yeah. it's a spectacle and you it's, got your boys fun... sitting there we're all cheering you on like it's yeah. kind of like you get to feel like a bit of a pro for a night yeah. right and like that's cool like we turn it into an event that people want to be at and people want to be part of so yeah like that, that's kind of what we want to do with it that's awesome mm-hmm. that's and we're not trying to be like you know the next big promotion we just want to like and our premise with it is like every time it's something fight night. So the first one was Leslieville fight night. This, uh, the one after that was Danforth fight night. Wow. So it's got like a Greek It'll theme be to it. Park. Regent Park. Damn, fight I should have found that Greek one. Yeah, man. <laughs> Those are my people. Cleaners. But so, came out. That been so sick. we did, uh, for that one, we were, we were at a church on the Danforth. So no like way. the basement of a church. Have you guys seen million dollar baby? Yeah. Yeah. So we did it where Hillary they filmed. Swank? Yeah. We Come did it where on. they filmed. Yeah. Wait, Hillary Swank. Sorry. Good looking or not good looking. This is from the office, eh? Pull up, uh, pull up a, a recent <laughs> this is, photo. This, this is from the office. <laughs> Hillary Swank, good looking or not good looking? They asked that. Oh, yeah. is that the one in the, the poll episode? I can't remember what, who, what exactly. Look like. I'm gonna up. say not. Good Just looking. take it to an Instagram poll. It'll, That's it, yeah. eh? and then we'll, we'll get our. Oh no, not anymore. Like back in the day, maybe, but like <laughs> not great now. <laughs> yeah, no. But like back Sorry. in the day, not bad. 
They're not bad. Yeah. Not bad. It's a good episode. So of the currently office. a hard no from the power. Yeah, currently, a, currently a no. It's unanimous, unanimous. unanimous decision. <laughs> so wait, what's it called in boxing when they have all the belts? It's undisputed, right? Undisputed champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, undisputed. Mm-hmm. Do we are, are there currently any? I don't believe so. I know in heavyweight there isn't. They're now they're talking about Fury fighting Joshua to unify the belts. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been an undisputed heavyweight champion since Lennox Lewis. What about Mike Tyson? He was before that. Oh. Lennox Lewis, I believe, beat Mike Tyson. I think to take them. Sounds so about right. So if you and then Lennox Lewis. Um, who did he fought? Anyways, been Holyfield who took it from Tyson. Yes, and I think Lennox Lewis fought Holyfield. Yeah, yeah. So if you have, I could be misremembering. You have all five yeah. belts or something. That was in 2002. So since then, no so undisputed heavyweight champ. If you have all the belts, do you say, okay, let's say I've got five belts and I'm going to fight George. I'm only going to put three on the line, or do you have to put all five? I don't know if you have to, but That's I'm pretty a great sure. Question. You, yeah, I don't know. I either. think they do because, like, when Joshua and Ruiz, nah, fought, yo, because if I lose, I, wanna, I still want some belts because <laughs> I'm still a champ. Nah, nah, you can't keep them, buddy. You gotta <laughs> give them up. All, all five. Of, well, then how would you lose them then? You know what? So eventually, like, one person would have all five, and then you that person's gonna lose. And sorry, repeat, repeat that. So let's say I've got all, I've got all five belts, and you beat me, then you've got all five. Yeah. Whoever beats you is gonna have all five. Yeah. So there would always be an undisputed. Right, like, how would you lose a oh, belt? That's in, yeah. yeah, I don't know. You stumped me, Rick. My my thinking was that it would depend on the like organization when, you're fighting under. Y- yeah, but I don't know because it depends. Sorry, because the organization. Okay, so if you have all the belts, those are all different organizations. Each organization has their number one contender. Uh, okay. You'd have to fight those contenders. So let's say you're the undisputed champ. You're gonna have to fight the WBO, like number one in line, mandatory. So if you lose to him, you lose that belt. I would yeah, guess so that's how only it works. One, or maybe if, whatever, you only lose one or two belts or yeah. something. Yeah, okay. So you don't lose all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still a winner, a even if you lose. Yeah, I think that'd be the coolest. <laughs> like, I, look, like I said earlier, I'm done fighting. Like, once you get hit once in the face, when someone's actually trying to take your head off, it does not feel good. Like, it does not feel like sparring. It feels yeah. bad. But... <laughs> I think having, being able to stand like in Vegas in a ring oh and have a belt, oh my God. Like to me, that's my Olympic. I still think Olympics, like we've talked about mm-hmm. before, is like the pinnacle of sport. But I think like, that's well, why like, I love boxing. In, in boxing, the sweet science, like there's so much yeah. that goes into it. It's like, yeah. In, just, in boxing, I've, the Olympics isn't the pinnacle of sports, right? Like you can only be an Olympic boxer until a certain. It really depends, right? Like a lot of people have different goals. And like in terms of making money, no, it's definitely not yeah. the pinnacle. Yeah. But like, you know, it's it's regarded as kind of like the highest you're going to get before you turn pro, right? Because it's for boxing and Olympics, it's an amateur sport, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the path you take. The mo- almost all guys who are now mm-hmm. champions, like the Bronze Bomber, mm-hmm. Deontay Wilder, got his nickname because he won bronze. bronze mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and if you see most guys, especially the UK fighters, almost all of them have Olympic tattoos. You can see mm-hmm. it, all of them. That's obviously a big point of pride if you win and. Uh, I think Anthony Joshua won gold for, did, yeah. for the UK. I think he won in the U- in 2012. He did, yeah. 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 So he and Anthony Joshua. The crazy thing with him is that he had a like he had a fast rise. He's only had like 20, 20 pro fights, mm-hmm. 20, 22 maybe. Like whereas like Deontay Wild is like forty three, yeah. and all these guys are a lot older. But yeah, you kind of it depends how you progress, and that's the thing with boxing too. There's a lot of politics that goes into it. There's a lot of strategy. Like you can't just go even if you're like the number one, you know. Uh, the number one um, prospect, if you will, they're not just gonna throw you in the fire against the Manny Pacquiao's, the Mayweather's, the experienced guys, because then you lose one fight, that's your golden, your golden pony's gone. Yeah. So, yeah, once you kind of win that, do that Olympics once, I think it's guys get out of that and go make the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we kind of. Yeah, we got a lot of boxing. Yeah, we've got a lot of boxing. That's probably our longest boxing talk I think we've ever had on this. <laughs> well, it makes sense. We've got our first. But obviously, we got our first legit fighter in the podcast. Fine, gentlemen over here has got a lot, a lot of other things going on. So I don't think we just stick to boxing. Yeah. Right? Well, let's talk. I guess we can go on to travel too because you've yeah, done 
some pretty amazing events or travel kind of experiences. And I know, I think a lot of them are done with the gym or kind of that community. Mm -hmm. So where did you recently go? Because I remember seeing it on Instagram. I can't remember though. So I've done a few recent ones. So back in November, um, we did a retreat down in Nicaragua, which was pretty Nicaragua, awesome. That's yeah. So we were um, we were in a not even in a little place. We were outside of a little place in Nicaragua called uh, Salinas Grandes, and it was like basically we we got hooked up with these these awesome guys from uh, Collingwood, and they run like an awesome little workout spot up there in Collingwood. Oh, wow. And uh, shout out to Primitive Patterns and um, they go down every year and they run little retreats, right? So we were um, we were gonna go down and join them, and we we're like, you know what? Let's let's see what this is about. We obviously ran like a little retreat for some people from our gym that wanted to come with us, and um, it's it's this little spot of like remote beach where there's like five houses all owned by Canadians by chance. Oh wow! Um, and essentially, we just went down and you know got in a ton of workouts, did some did some awesome hikes, and like. Yeah, it was really cool, man. It's really cool to see see the country and yeah. and just take in, you know, what it's like down there. And like, you would walk on the beach, and there's not a single soul on there, so it was like really remote. And is this like the equivalent of like a yoga retreat, but more fitness geared, or Basically. is it a balance of yoga? Is it yeah, what, what yeah. Is it a little bit a little bit of both. I mean, the majority of what we did was was fitness based. Yeah, and. Um, Next year when we do it, uh, we're kind of going to be adding some martial arts to it as well. Oh, nice. There's like basically at all these houses, they're all set up a little bit differently. Um, and the one that we stayed at, there's a like I'd say probably like a twenty by twenty foot rancho, which is essentially just like a exposed little house without walls, and like it's covered by you know a nice little roof. And uh, so we're going to set up some MMA mats down there and do oh, some jujitsu, do some striking. Again, it, it'll be mostly fitness based stuff for for that particular retreat. I mean, depending on who comes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was mostly fitness-based this time around, and it's a little bit of yoga here and there. And then we did like a pretty big hike up a active volcano, which was cool. And I, I, The black, uh, like a lot of black sand? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we I've did, never seen that. Yeah, yet. so we, we hiked up one active volcano and then like um, basically toboggan down. Sick. Yeah, that was fun. It was, it was awesome. pretty intense. And then we, uh, after that, we hiked up another active volcano and camped out overnight. And the scariest part about that thing was like we got up there and there's like cows everywhere. So like literally all night, everyone's like, peeking out of their tent to see like where these cows are and they're like shining their little flashlights and all you see is the glowing green eyes everyone's like oh my god did you trample by a herd of cows eh? that's what we were all afraid of so at, at one point we're like my girlfriend was super paranoid so she's like every half an hour like shoots up and like opens the tent and she's like i don't see them where are they <laughs> and then and then she like closes it and then opens it like five minutes later. Justin, go and, check, go yeah, check, yeah, go. exactly, right? And they're literally right outside one of the tents of one of our other buddies who's like 10, 15 feet away. <laughs> and all I can hear is like, my girlfriend's losing her mind. I'm like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then these other guys are like, don't move a muscle. <laughs> don't move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What a dad joke. Oh my God. You had some, some good jokes today, I'm, buddy. I'm on one today. I'm on one. No, I, honestly, that's really cool. I saw, I, actually, because they just followed you as well. And I saw that a lot of your child pictures, honestly, you take some really good photos, man. Thanks, man. Very, I appreciate that's it. what I mean. You became friends. I'm like, Justin, your photos are so cool. Like, can you teach me how to take cool photos? <laughs> like, what uh, what camera, like, how do you take your photos? What yeah, I've got a use? Canon 7D. And um, when I go on some of the bigger trips, I'll like just rent a lens, yeah. um, depending on kind of where I'm where I'm going and what I'm doing. And you know, every time I post something, Ricky slides into my DMs and he's like, "Bro, that's <laughs> not your phone, is it?" Yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean. Whenever me and Rick travel, when I was I did like a pretty big trip, uh, took about a year and traveled. But I had this camera, my GH5, I was using because I shot a mix of video and uh, and photos, and I would always take pictures. Rick's like, "That's sick. You send that to me. I'm gonna post it." 
or I take a picture. Because George's like, I'm not going to use that. I'm like, okay. Or even if I take it with my phone, he's like, why does yours look so much better than mine? I was like, I don't know, man. I just like, I took a picture. I got zero artistic skills, man. Damn. Zero musical skills, artistic. It's so funny though, because I heard you guys talk about this bit before is like, there's that fine balance between like, you know, put your devices away and enjoy your trip and, and you know, like just absorb as much as you can while you're there. And like, that's like, I'm so torn. Like that's part of me. And then the other part, and this is part of the reason why I decided to take photography a little more seriously over the past, like, you know, year, year and a half is like, I wanted to finally be able to take pictures that would actually do justice to the experiences of what I was getting. Right. Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah, I don't want to take like shitty iPhone photos and just keep posting those and have See, everyone be that's like sick of it. All me. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to like learn how to actually take some proper photos and like really try and, carry over and express what that what that moment was actually like right and yeah. uh so that's kind of been the balance so it's like typically what i'll find is like i'll have my camera with me most of the time when i'm traveling i'm like yeah my phone's there so i'm still a little connected or not yeah. lost in some random spot but um you know i don't want to i don't want to overload people on, yeah, on the yeah. gram too much i'm kind of the same way and, and i'd be lying if i said i wasn't taking photos to like kind of you know you want to show off where you are and all that stuff but when I'm walking around, if I'm in a new city or wherever I am, I something cool. Like I'll stop if I have my phone or mm-hmm. whatever. I'll snap a photo of it, and if it's good, I'll use it after. But I noticed that too when I got a camera and I started traveling with that, and that was like in my hand at all times. I felt less inclined to pull my phone out. Yeah, and I was actually just more taking a photo because like, oh, this looks cool. It's not like, oh, I got to take a photo of this, show everyone where I am, yeah, right? Because yeah. you know that like when even, as much as people say they don't do it, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, we're all guilty of it. I'll take my phone, and be like, oh, this looks cool. I'll put it to my story or whatever. But when you like have a camera, and you have to stop and take the time to like shoot the photo, take them back after the computer, edit them or look at them, whatever. Mm-hmm. It really does make you appreciate it more. And you're actually kind of, I don't know if you're like looking to find something artistic, but you're actually like, you're not just taking a picture to take a picture. Yeah, you're yeah. looking to say, okay, this looks cool or I could do something here. And you mm-hmm. mess with the exposure and all that. Yeah. I mean, I'm no pro of the camera by any means, but uh, even just being able to mess around when you're traveling, it just makes you appreciate everything you have more. And obviously the quality comes a little better. Yeah, and, and I think like, you know, when you're in some of these really cool places and experiencing some of these really cool things, whether it's an awesome hike that you're in the middle of doing or whatever it is, right? You're like, this is so amazing. And you pull out your phone and take a quick picture. Like that doesn't do it justice you know, at all, for sure. right? So it's about trying to capture that. I think that's part of the fun with it. For I sure. end up taking half of my pictures just for my Google reviews. That's basically <laughs> half my phone is just Google review pictures. But Justin, you also did a trip with your girlfriend, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe like a year ago to some canyon. Yep. Which one was that? So we did, let me see, which one was the, the canyon trip? Like you're in this, I, I forget where exactly it is. I see so many people yeah, yeah. like posting pictures from that exact same spot. Oh, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Horseshoe, Horseshoe Canyon, I think it was called in, um, oh my God, where is it? It's, it's like four hours from Vegas. It's in, uh, cause I think our buddy Hoyle was just there too. Utah. <coughs> oh, maybe no, I, Utah. No, I can't even remember. I'm going to pull it up. Horseshoe. There's a place in Utah. Horseshoe Valley. Horseshoe no. Valley Canyon. Oh, it's Arizona. It's Page, Arizona. Okay. Yeah, that's where it is. So it's basically four hours outside of Vegas. It's Antelope. Antelope Canyon. Yeah, yeah, Antelope Canyon. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Honestly, it's nuts. And then the Horseshoe Valley is is insane too. Basically, like, it's just these tiny little winding canyons that they take you through. And it's just kind of the way that the light comes through. Um, I, to be honest, I don't even know, like, much about how they're formed. Should probably done my like, research. Are, are you long, there by like, yourself, just like walking through? No. Like, aren't you worried about getting lost? Yeah, I would be. Yeah, yeah no, but, no. You're with tour guides because you're basically on like it's it's like private native property, right? Oh. So you have to take tours. Uh, otherwise, yeah, you're gonna get in some serious shit. 
Do you know if it's it's near Zion National Park? It's chance? close. So it's I don't remember exactly how far. You basically like I, I guess it depends on where you come from, right? Like we came from Vegas. It's essentially either four hours drive from Vegas or four hours from Phoenix. Yeah. And uh, we had to pass by Zion to get to it. Yeah, okay. I think kind of the southern part of Zion. I'm don't quote me on that. Yeah, but. yeah. Mm -hmm. So there, and the reason I ask is because I when I was in. I was in Vegas in June with my with my siblings. We went to Zion National Park. First time going. Really, really cool place. Yeah, that'd be amazing. We spent, I don't even know, night, like half a day out there. So we drove, we flew into Vegas, drove to Zion, spent the night there. Then the morning, got up early, drove to the park, like did some wandering through the thing. Yeah. Really, really cool. Um, but the only thing we didn't do, which you probably should have done, is like there's like the Angels, I think it's called Angels Peak or something. Mm -hmm. There's like a place you hike up. It's very like apparently very steep and everything like that. Well, we didn't spend enough time to do it. It's something I definitely want to. I, I have back. seen that on the gram. I think I put that on my like places to go yeah. favorite list because yeah, it looks. But like same with that, and same thing with like Horseshoe Valley. There's nothing really just stopping you from fall off, and they like obviously when you go with tour guides, they're like be careful because like obviously you've got all the Instagrammers who want to like take the photos with their dangling legs, and like people have died in these places. Yeah, right. Like it's, people it's, put it on the line for the gram, man. Yeah, it's like, crazy. You gotta do what you gotta do. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm well, like here. I'm like yo, someone can Photoshop my legs on this thing. I don't care. <laughs> I got you there. I got you. But it's the same thing. Like when my girlfriend and I did the Stairway to Heaven hike in in Hawaii in Oahu, it's like. Same kind of thing. How was like, that? Let's. Is that similar? There's also one in Bali, I believe. Like those, like steep. Or am I thinking of Hawaii? You might be thinking of Hawaii. If it's Bali, that's on my bucket list because we're going in like two in like okay, a month. Well, that was one of my other talking yeah. points. Okay, well, let's, 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 let's finish. Let's, yeah, let's the Hawaii I'm curious about. So that's the staircase that goes down like, along the cliff. It's like yep. a metal staircase. Yep. So yep. how was that? Like that is insane. It a yeah, that's it's insane. Like completely insane. I'd say that's the craziest thing I've ever done. Really? Like, yeah, yeah. So there's a story behind that one too. So basically, like it's an old like naval stairway from at the very top of it is like a transmission tower decommissioned transmission tower from like i think it predates world war ii um so the stairs were obviously there so that the workers could go up and down and apparently like when it when it first started it was like a wooden ladder and then they replaced Jeez. it with wooden stairs and then in the 50s it became metal stairs they're obviously decrepit and falling apart but whatever at the bottom of it <laughs> whatever no, I big, put my foot there, no, no big, big deal. deal at the bottom of it is the haiku village Right, so the Haiku Village is just this small little quaint village uh, that you essentially have to because it's it's fully blocked off and it's illegal to do the stairs now, and it has been oh. since the eighties. Um, really? Yeah. They so, have, sorry, do they have like security or anything? They like, do. Yeah, there's security at the bottom, and essentially, like you can't get to the bottom of the stairway without essentially jumping through people's backyards or like there's there's three main entrances into it's essentially a bamboo forest that you need to hike through to get to the bottom of the stairs. One of which is crawling through a um, like an old sewer drain. Jeez. Yeah, one of them is you have to go directly through somebody's backyard. And then there's a third one I can't remember. I would uh, charge money to let people come through my backyard, man. That's a great business idea. <laughs> honestly, people of Hawaii. Right? Like <laughs> so like six so six AM, um, we we basically drive to the Haiku village because we're like, all right, we're gonna get there nice and early and park our car and then like walk over and kind of hop through the way we need to go and to get up there. As soon as we turn into the village, we kind of are about to make that last turn to where we need to go. Sure enough, there's a cop sitting right there. So oh. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to keep driving immediately. He turns around. Now we're not really being discreet. We've got like a red, <laughs> a red Jeep Corvette, that we rented. Yeah. So it's like perfect. Anyway, so he turns around, follows us, essentially escorts us out. He knew what you were coming. He knew exactly oh, yeah. what we were doing. Yeah. So you're, not, like, you're not even trying to hide it either. Exactly. No, like, we're yeah, like, you caught me. Here's my camera. Like, I'm going. All right, we're busted. Taken off. So there is another way up, right? So the other way up is essentially, it's about another half hour drive um, to a different hike. And essentially the, the way that this hike works is it's about, so the stairs take about an hour and a half, two hours to go up and the same back down, right? This other hike 
is about a four to five hour hike up. And then at the end of that hike, you basically are just going across the mountain ridge and you cross the mountain ridge and you get to the top of the stairs, right? So we're like, okay, that's the legal way up. But it was like insane. So basically we end up getting there. We go up four or five hours later and like this hike is insane. Like we are by no means any expert hikers. We just, you know, hike while we travel. Yeah. So the day before, a little leading up to this, we were like, okay, if we're going to do this, like we need to get proper shoes because we had like, you know, Nike freeze. Yeah. Not good. Man, we got to get <laughs> Nike sponsorship soon. Like, yeah. It's yeah, got to come. come. We'll get yeah, we'll get Just edit out the Nike. <laughs> censor that part. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, we're like, okay, we got to go around and look for some shoes, like some hiking boots or something. Didn't plan ahead. It was Easter Sunday, so everything was closed. The only thing open was Walmart, so we buy like $12 water <laughs> shoes. We're like, oh, God. It blew up my eardrum, Rick. I'm like, cough, buddy. <laughs> you need to get a tum- uh, hulls oh, or man, something. I don't know why. As soon as we sit up here, I start coughing. <laughs> it's the <laughs> elevation up here. Yeah. <laughs> so got $12 shoes So we here. end up getting these $12 water shoes. We're like, all right, whatever. This is going to be better than nothing. So we end up making, we end up doing this hike. And like, there's a whole bunch of spots on the hike where you need to... You need to like basically use ropes to help get yourself up, right? And every like blogger or whatever, like, you know, article online is like, don't put all your weight on these ropes because, you know, these are just installed by, you know, John and Jane Doe as like some little helping support. So as we start (laughs) to get higher, we're basically in the clouds and it's raining now, right? So we're like, okay, this is like getting a little sketchy. And at this point, like when you start to get high, it's like no joke, like two feet wide. The mountain ridge is like two feet wide and it just drops on either side. Holy shit. We're in the middle of the clouds and the like dirt is now mud. And we're like, this is just brutal. So you get to one point where you like, it's almost straight up and you need to basically like climb yourself up. Now at this point last year, I'm probably like two and a bit months post-surgery on my bicep tear. Right. So I'm still not back to full weight bearing. So I'm like, I need to pull myself up this mountain ridge and I can't use both arms. I'm like, this is brutal. So like, I'm literally like jamming my knees into like these little crevices to try and like lock myself in so that I'm not slipping down. Cause you take one step and you slip, you take one step and you keep sliding down. So I've got the rope like wrapped around my one good arm and I'm like pulling take myself my strong. Up. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I felt like. So anyways, like it was a complete nightmare. We're completely covered in mud. We end up getting to the top and then like finally making our way over to the top of the stairs and we get up there and we're like, I don't care about the thousand dollar US ticket that we might get on the way back down, but we're going down the stairs. We're not, we're not going back that yeah. same way. Like for example, we, I would say ran into on the way up on that hike, we probably ran into like, you know, 10, 12 people. There were us and two others that made it up. So oh, like yeah? nobody, like a lot of people were just like, they realized at a certain yeah. point, like, I'm going back. they're like, forget this. This is not <laughs> worth it. And you know, there's parts there where we're sitting on like the mountain ridge, just kind of sitting there being like, this is stupid. Like, what are we doing? Did Anyways, you ever feel any point like you, like, was there any really dicey parts where like shit, like we really could fall? Oh yeah. 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 There Jeez. was, there was the one point in particular. Put it all on the line for the grab. Oh eh? my God. Yeah. And then we got up there and it was cloudy and you couldn't see shit. We're like, oh, great. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> but honestly, it makes for a cool experience, right? It was then- insane. So we ended up going down the stairs after and like, I, I posted some photos on my Instagram, like the ones that I see where you can actually like see the ground. That's probably at like three quarters of the, you know, height of just 4,000 stairs that you're going up. Or down in our case. How so, long did it take to get that, to going from the top down? So top down took us about, I want to say an hour and a half. Holy. If you think about the CN yeah. Towers, I think 1,000 and 1,500. Mm-hmm. So you said 4,000 4, stairs. 4,000 Did it in eight minutes. No big deal. Finished in 10th. <laughs> 
2017, Google it. <laughs> I think even showed like you always plug my box. Right, mine did something good. <laughs> he was good at something. Climbing off, so in grade 11. Okay, no I got deal. a question about that. Did you go double stairs? Like, did... oh yeah, I'm going yeah. double stairs, and I'm using my arms basically the whole time. Smart. I could have finished top seven. But I ran into a couple like old ladies in front hey, of Hey, what do we just say while there? No excuses. Play that's like true, a champion. That's true. I'm not complaining. Well, go this... work hard to fight. Yeah. Go for seven no, next do you yeah, know what? suit you weighed do... him down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Apparently, the, the world record, maybe I could be wrong, but there's a guy who won the, like, the climb. It's not a race. It's a charity thing. But it's a race. The guy, it is, it's always a race. <laughs> the guy who did it uh, maybe five or seven or ten years ago was a firefighter in his full suit. He was the fastest guy to climb Come up on. the sea and Yeah, he went at like... He's one of the first guys to do it, so there's nobody in front of you. That's the guy I want coming for me if the burning's building. Man, oh, 100%. Yeah. Burning. I can't even buildings, talk anymore. Yeah. Buildings the building's burning. burning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, it's, it yeah, but this guy in yeah, no full joke. firefighter gear did it and won. That's the real hero, man. Man, that's crazy. No joke. Crazy. I'm not even sarcastic. That's, like, that's, that's a real hero. So yeah. I think he like, did it in like six and a half minutes or seven minutes. That's which, nuts. Like, I went up. I didn't not. I double step and triple step the entire CN Tower, and I didn't slow down. I slowed down maybe like three or four times because there's people in my way. But other than that, I ripped up two arms up the entire <laughs> way, like double, triple. So I don't know how it's like physically possible to shave a minute of time off that. I want to ask for context. How, how hard was it? Would you like, like compared to your triathlon swim so or a fight? I don't the know, swim is the swim of a triathlon is hands down the most difficult thing I've ever done my entire life. Like, <clears throat> I've done half marathons. I've done, you know, 100, 200 kilometer bike rides. A 1.5 kilometer swim was hands down the toughest thing I've ever done. This, the stair climb is probably second in terms of just like when you finish, you're basically, I'm like at the top of the stairs because basically I'm at the top of the stairs dying mm -hmm. because you're in a tight little, like basically tunnel, like a vertical tunnel. And it's so tight. There's no room to sit down there's no room to stop there's no water there's no music there's literally nothing it's just go 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 you go, didn't listen go. to music no because you can't have any electronics really you can't really? have anything in your pocket because if it falls it'll go all the way down oh are the stairs open yeah the stairs are open i didn't so know if I oh, spit, yeah, you can spit and like it'll literally hit the people below you did you no but there's like <laughs> sweat like i was you sweat yeah, it's true. like eight Seven, minutes i don't even think i could run if the cn tower was laid flat and i had to run that i don't think i could run that distance <laughs> six minutes <laughs> no, it's like how tall it's like a mile a kilometer I think it's like Long That's about how fast I run. <laughs> Six-ish. Six no, yeah, but this uh, this firefighter dude apparently just crushed it. So the CN Tower is the second most difficult thing I've ever done because that swim. I remember training for the triathlon. In a swimming pool, I can swim 1.5K if I really tried in about 25 minutes, give or take 22 to 27 minutes in that range. It took me 44 minutes to swim 1.5K in, in Lake Ontario, and I actually thought I was going to die. At one point, I remember looking at the like one of the lifeguards sitting on a paddleboard. I'm like, if I grab onto your paddleboard, what happens? And she's like, well, you get disqualified. I was like, will they come <laughs> get me or do I got to swim back in? They're like, well, you might have to swim back. Oh, okay. Then I'm not obviously going to grab on. I'll finish this. Yeah. And I'm backstroking and I'm... Because you have no line to follow, no. right? Because you can't see in the water. And oh, that's a freaks me out. So there's yeah. no line. Like I'm basically swimming diagonally, like a crocodile. You know how they say, "Run away from crocodiles," like zigzag. That's basically how I'm swimming. Like, worst experience. Covering twice the distance. What yeah. I finished that. The, the triathlon was fun once I finished that. But hey, man, you learn from your. Well, not the failure because you finished it, but like all those hard things. Same. I'm not gonna go into this because it's not about. This ain't about me. But that first same thing when I first half marathon, I thought I was gonna finish it in two hours. It took me three and a half, but. But anyways, to your point, like, you know, shapes you.
Yeah, yeah, definitely. 100%. Uh, yeah. Definitely does. Um, Justin, so now I know you're going to Bali in a couple weeks. Are you a little bit, and I don't want to get too much on the coronavirus, but are you a little bit worried or, you know, because yeah, that part of the world is almost on like lockdown. Yeah, now. it's crazy, right? So like we were looking at flights and stuff and trying to figure out like, how are we going to do this itinerary in a way that's like not stupid basically, right? And uh, I mean, you want a good deal on flights. Now's well, we, time, we were literally right? talking about like, you can fly to Japan for I think 600 bucks, 500 yeah, bucks. Yeah, crazy, right? Hawaii, speaking of Hawaii, 450 bucks on next departures. Just, oh, just that email today, round trip to Maui. It's amazing, right? Peanuts. And that's the same. Like, the nice thing, like, to we, got a, we got crazy, crazy cheap flights to Hawaii even last year. I don't think people realize how cheap it is to get there. That's, that's a it's whole other far, It's just right? sure. far. For sure. You got to fly to LA 11, or Vancouver, right? We flew direct. From Toronto to Hawaii. Air, yeah. Air Canada? Yep. Or, yeah, Air Canada's direct yeah. flights now. Mm-hmm. Hours I think my brother was looking to go it. for his no. honeymoon. I think he was looking at it. They have, they just, I think this year or last, they have direct flights open now, yeah. You can fly it to the big island, right? Uh, we flew to Oahu. To Oahu, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, are you, hours. like, what so are you doing flying, yeah, yeah, for your Yeah, so trip? our itinerary is, let me see if I remember this. So I think on the way, yeah, no, it's actually, we're Toronto to Taipei and then Taipei to Bali. So, are you on Eva, uh, Eva Air? Or yeah, Eva Air. Yeah. Yeah, Eva Air. The only reason I ask, and I have, I'm going not, there's not again, you can jump back in, but I'm, I have my flight booked to go to Bali in September and I'm nice. on the exact same type same a to, one, right? Yeah, Denver, yeah, sorry, yeah, exactly. But sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah, no. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely something we've considered, right? So we wanted to try and avoid mainland China for obvious reasons. Yep. Um, I think we're going to be all right. Knock on wood. Right. But, That's uh, it. yeah. Are you, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> how long you go, how long you go down for? We're doing like 16 days, like nice. all in. Yeah. And you're doing just flying to Bali, like, and then you kind of, yeah, yeah just one kinda, area, you're kind of all over, kind of bouncing around. Yeah, we're not entirely sure of our itinerary yet, but you know, gonna check out all the main spots. Like, we're gonna yeah. do like, correct me if I mispronounce any of these. Uh, okay. We're gonna do like Uluwatu, yep. Changu, Ubud, Gili Islands, and Nusa Penida. I think so. Yeah, we got all <laughs> nailed all of them. Right? We, uh, yeah. That, so I'm very well we're debating. I have the flight booked as like a placeholder but we're supposed to go in september and i've actually been to bali before when i was traveling i did 10 days there i didn't get to see all of it which mm-hmm. is why i kind of want to go back yeah. i was kind of in and out plans had changed but honestly great like very very cool spot it is that typical like what you see online like mm-hmm. you know everything's like kind of healthy organic a little yeah. bit kind of what is it commercialized but kind of like that cafe mm-hmm. hipster vibe influencer yep. vibe but really cool like everyone's super friendly and yeah yeah, it's a it's a great spot. I've heard some great things. Yeah, like in terms of like you know fitness and wellness. Oh like yeah, is, is big there, and obviously like you're you're going to be eating well. You're going to be you know working out and staying yeah staying fit and just staying active. Most importantly, I think it's and, super and important. For a place as nice as it is, honestly, it's quite affordable. Like you can, yeah. I remember we rent, I like rented the like an Airbnb. Or was it a hotel? It was like you almost get like a little villa. It was mm-hmm. like seventy bucks for the night. It had its own little pool in front. Yeah. Honestly, like, yeah, you a lot of good deals out there. It's like yeah, prices seem very reasonable, and especially if you're traveling with like you know we're just going that my girlfriend and I. But like we were looking like if there's two other people that come with us, like you're renting full like oh, legit yeah. villas for like a hundred bucks a night. You're like, yeah, damn. Yeah, the, the the supply there like is this. There's there's so many options to what you can have. So mm-hmm. like the prices stay relatively low. Which yeah. Is, yeah, it's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. I actually had one more question on that. Um, in terms of travel, because you've clearly been to a few places, not including Bali, what would be on your bucket list as the number one place you want to go if you had a choice to book one right now? Oh, man, that's a tough, tough question. We kind of struggled with that, thinking about like where we were going to go this time around. We almost went back to Hawaii because it kind of like really blew us both away. Yeah. I don't think we expected to. I mean, like everybody's like, yeah, Hawaii's on my bucket list. And like we never really considered it until we actually you know booked it. And it like blew my expectations away. I was you know, over the moon. It's like, that's the first time on vacation that I, at the end of it was like, 
I'm good to stay. And we were there for like two weeks. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That's a tough question. Like there's other places I'd love to check out the Scandinavian countries. You know, I'd love to go to Morocco. I'd love to go to, you know, places like Turkey. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm like, you I think like Bali was the next big one. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, we're going to start wrapping up soon, but I wanted to ask what's next for you. Like you've got, you obviously you fight, mm-hmm. you've got your gym, you're setting up fights. I know on the side, you also run a small marketing business. Mm-hmm. What's next? Great question, man. Um, I mean, for us, it's just like, like, no pun intended. We're always just trying to roll with the punches, right? And oh, uh, that's right? Good. I like that. that you had that planned. <laughs> he was, he had that in his back pocket. Well, uh, my back pocket. <laughs> Let me just play this trump card. Um, yeah, honestly, man, like, it's it's so hard for us to predict really what we're uh, what we're planning next. Like, you know, even things like our fight night events that we're planning, you know, months in advance right now. That's that's really the longest stuff we've got. Um, plan for right now it's just always trying to like make things better and improve kind of on a daily basis and that goes both personally and professionally Uh, we find especially in the business that we're in the fitness business like things change so fast it kind of goes with any business that you're in Um, so for us it's really just about like how can we stay on top of that and how can we be providing the best for our clients and because we're dealing with people on a daily basis all the time uh, we just want to make sure that we're always getting better and you guys know what the fitness world is like now it's it's not about you know going to good life and or gold's gym and there's so much more to it now mm-hmm. um so for us it's really just like making sure we can provide the most value to people and and really pushing that forward so and then in terms of personally you know i just want to you know keep fighting uh, it, for me it's 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 not specifically about fighting it's more just like pushing myself i love to challenge myself and i think what fighting has allowed me to do is really find out just how far i can push myself um so for me that's been the most important thing so the more i can learn and the more i can continue there and you know throw in some international competitions and stuff i'll be i'll be happy Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Start traveling, do that. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've got one more question. Oh, yeah. One question we hit everybody with. So if you could give one piece of advice, oops, if you give one piece of advice to your younger self, Oof. what would that be? Oh, yeah. I was, uh, I was thinking Don't drop this. that 10 pounds for that fight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I should have started <laughs> cutting earlier. Um, damn, that's another great question. I think I was trying to plan this answer after I was listening to the last podcast and I <laughs> forgot. Um, no, honestly, it's just a matter of like, if you have any desire to try something, just do it. I mean, funny enough, I posted something on my Instagram yesterday that I just came across and it was like a 70 year old grandmother doing a jujitsu competition. And I, saw, it was, <laughs> I saw that post. Right? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's literally like, you know, if, if you ever have any hesitation because you think you're too old to start something or you think it's too late, like just do it, right? Just do it. And the funny thing is, um, on the martial arts side, we, the most common thing we hear from all of our members and all of our friends and everybody that trains, they all say, I wish I started this sooner. Right. And I think that's really what it is. Like if you have any desire to try something, just do it. And if what's the worst that can happen, you don't like it. And then you stop doing it or best case, you've got something now that you know, you've fallen in love with and you're just going to continue with. So for, yeah, I'd say that's probably what it is. That's some good advice. That's a good, I feel like a lot of our guests, like maybe it's just because the type of people we are and the type of people we hang around, everyone's got that same mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you got to jump afraid, in with two yeah, feet, right? Yeah. yeah. Don't be afraid to, to try something new or, you know, go out of your comfort zone. So uh, I think, I think that's a huge one, right? Like you need to be able to step out of your comfort zone. Cause like for me, it was always about like just going in and working out and doing my thing. And especially on the martial arts side, it's scary to try something where, you know, especially on a combat sports side Cons, of things where, where you're, you're, you're afraid of yeah, yeah, even, the punching bag a, doesn't hit back. Yeah, exactly. Even being a big guy, I'm like, I don't want to go to a martial arts gym and give these guys for killers. They're going to murder me. But it's like, it's not about that, right? You just need to yeah. try things and you just need to push yourself outside your comfort zone and you unlock so much potential for yourself. 
for sure. That's Good. awesome. Uh, if people want to find you, where can they reach you? How do they get in touch with you or learn more about you, your gym, and fight nights and what you're doing? So obviously, I'm just an Instagram away at justin.ca. Personal branding drop right there. Yeah, that's um, good. Otherwise, Primal Academy, we are in Leslieville, Toronto. Um, yeah, like I said, boot camp classes, strength and conditioning, martial arts, um, can always find us there. Um, I also run a class at the attic above Lululemon on Queen West every Thursday night. So for people who can't make it out to the East End and still want to get some work in with me, by all means, it's kind of like a fitness boxing. My whole premise with it is like train like a fighter. So there's some technique in there and there's some strength and conditioning components that's all about training like a fighter. And that'll kind of ease you into, uh, you know, the stuff that we actually offer at Primal and, and you know, that's that's where you can find me. Beauty. Awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll include all your info in, in the description. So if anyone wants to give them a follow or get in touch, yeah, feel free. Love it. Um, Thank you, boys. That I was awesome. It. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you coming on, taking the time, and uh, I guess signing off, pals. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, pals. You like to drink and to smoke to take away the pain. And I don't remember all of my mistakes and every I got alone. No one.